1: All right, everybody. Hey, it's Scott Patterson and this is I Am All Minisodes and we're breaking down our movie review of The Goonies. Here's the stat sheet on The Goonies, a 1985 film distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. It is a PG rated film in the genre of comedy, kids and family adventure directed by Richard Donner, produced by Harvey Bernhardt and Richard Donner. Uh, written by Chris Columbus, story by Steven Spielberg. Released June 7, 1985, wide in the United States, an hour and 51 minute running time. Surround, sound, Dolby Stereo. It starred Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, Jeff Cohen, Corey Feldman, Carrie Green, Martha Plimpton, K. Hugh Juan, John Matuzek, Ann Ramsey, Joe Pantaleone, Keith Walker. Uh, the executive production team is quite impressive, Kathleen Kennedy, and Frank Marshall. This is an Amblin Entertainment production uh, in conjunction with Warner Brothers. Dave Grusin did the original music. John Williams, the multiple Oscar-winning John Williams, along with about everybody else on this list, uh, did the non-original music. The cinematographer was Nick McLean. The film editor, beautiful job, Michael Kahn. Jane Feinberg, Mike Fenton, Judy Taylor, cast the film, all legendary casting directors. Art direction, Rick Carter. Production designer, J. Michael Riva. Brilliant job. Dan Kolsrud, assistant director. Very difficult job uh, and well done. Linda Deskena, set direction. Just a brilliant film. And Henry Markin is my partner in crime here. Last week we did... Uh, Rosemary's Baby. Rose Rosemary. I just wanted you to hear... I love hearing you say that. Say it again. Rosemary's Baby. Nobody ever, nobody says it like that. There you go. So we did that (laughs) last week. uh, And now this is episode number two for Henry's Movie Reviews on I Am All Minisodes on I Am All In Podcast, iHeartRadio. And uh, we're going to talk about The Goonies because it was mentioned in... It
5: It was episode two where Madeline said, I hate nature.
1: So here's what I did. I was very entertained. I've seen it before. I hadn't seen it in a while, but I thought it was... Listen, here's what I think of uh, Goonies.
5: Yeah, right by me. Hit me with your wisdom.
1: I Well, it's just, it's, it's a combination of, at the time, it was more modern filmmaking, and it harkens back to Disney type of filmmaking. But with, I mean, these kids are so clever. It's so well-directed. It's so well-written. It's yep. so well-shot. I mean, you just do not get this kind of, and it just shows how great, a director, Richard Donner was, he passed away, but
5: he was, he was one of the best.
1: He was as good at what he did in that film as what Spielberg's ever done in any film, because the, the frame was so active and so full every single scene, every single cutaway, every single shot, Every single line delivered by these actors and these kids, and that's the sign of a great director is how good are the actors and how good, how much are they filling the frame? It was so active and so busy and so fun. And these kids were so likable.
5: They're good kids. Right. They're good They're, kids. And it right. strikes all the emotional nerves yes. every single yes. time. Yes. It's funny you mentioned the, you talked about Spielberg, because Richard Donner, we actually had a stacked Staff, right? He had Chris Columbus on the screenplay. Mm -hmm. Of course, he Mm -hmm. did Harry Potter and the Home Alones, and those weren't successful at all. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then uh, Spielberg was credited as story and executive producing and even uh, shot a couple of scenes. I think he shot the water pipe scene, you know, and so he, he. just the fact that, yeah, just the fact that Spielberg was just in in right. the back, you know, just, just telling Richard Donner, who, of course, did Superman. I mean, it's just like three guys who know how to make a good movie all in yeah. one room.
1: You're getting script notes or directing notes that when you need them, right? I'm sure he didn't impose yeah. himself from Steven Spielberg. Donner can, like, make a phone call. Like, Steve, what do you think of this? What do you think? I mean— just the IQ of those guys in terms of their filmmaking—it was just. Could you such imagine a...
5: that writers' room? By the way, wow. the energy wow. and like the combustion—just everyone talking, firing ideas off of one another—it's like a—it's like a squash court. The ball. Yeah. Is just...
1: I mean, what a what a brilliant setup for. Um, I mean, just really likable kids and and a great journey. Anyway, so if you want to go through the synopsis, go ahead and yeah. and we'll get into this film. Even though I only saw half of it.
5: Yeah, Uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen The Goonies, I don't know, it's it's been out since, I don't know, 1985, so you're a little late on the spoilers, but yeah, The Goonies, Uh, it is about a group of kids who live in the Goondocks, and they are known as The Goonies, and essentially, their house is going to be foreclosed, and they're all going to have to move away from each other, and it's really sad, and and as we discussed, it strikes all the emotional nerves of why you care about these kids and they find one of them, Sean Aston's character, he plays Mikey. He uh, he lives with his mom and dad. His dad owns a museum, and he finds a map for this one-eyed willy, this pirate, this, this mythic legend who had buried treasure somewhere in the goondocks. So him and his buddies, who are going to lose their house, set off for one final quest to make as much money and buried treasure as possible to basically pay off this wealthy land developer who's this evil figure he's um trying to buy out all the houses and turn into a big country club of course that's just evil 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 so they go off on this quest each kid has his own uh his or her own kind of like comic identity it's really just organic with all these people running around they go in these caves at the same time they meet this crime family the Fratellis, the just scum of the earth. I mean, by the way, it's it's not cliche because I feel like they're one of the first movies to like create this. Like, it's innovative for its time. It's cliche now, but like the they were just like they just looked like evil people. I mean, just the, with the criminal hat and the 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 mom, the Fratelli mother had like this raspy ass voice. Like, you can't love someone like that. It's just gross human being who's right. a jerk. You but know? still,
1: at the same time, you still feel safe with them somewhat.
5: Correct. Okay,. Yes, correct. You yeah.
1: don't feel like, I mean, you feel like the kids are in sort of, you know, they could get in a little trouble, a little danger. I never felt, and I think that's one of the big discussions about the film, is we're gonna put these kids in very close proximity and even being held captive by the fratelli's. Robert Davi plays one of the brothers and Joe Pantaleone brilliantly. I mean these these guys were great together. Yeah, um yeah. and then they have that that uh uh I guess another relative, uh, uh, another brother sloth. who's yes. sloth, sloth who's chained yes. in a dungeon in this house in the basement. Yes. And he is, uh, how he's should we disfigured. say? He's disfigured.
5: He's a disfigured right. uh, kind of black sheep right. brother who really, right. they're not letting the sunlight see. And that's right. kind of the hidden gem of this and movie he's, yeah. is, right. is, is when they meet him, just right. when Chunk thinks he's going to die at the Fratelli's hand, he's right. just teamed up with Sloth. They become best friends. I mean, just right. a great Disney, you know, two odd ducks together become one. Right great relationship We're
1: talking about a horribly deformed human being who is oh, yes. who's more animal than human being and and um, just a kind of a terrifying character but still there are comedic elements to each of these characters yeah so it's that very fine line this very difficult acting job and a very difficult writing and directing job is to keep these characters somewhat likable and somewhat not terrifying. You know what I mean? So that the there kids. There was one character so they can, I
5: wanted to punch in the face, and it was Troy. Uh,
1: Troy which, was like which one he was,
5: man. he was the son of the land developer, and he was he had a, a right. varsity jacket on. He was a jock. He was Spielberg loved playing around with jocks growing right. up, as jocks are the villains, and he's just. I mean, he was looking up one of the girls, he was looking up somebody's skirt in the rearview mirror of the car, and I, I mean, I feel like those characters don't exist in actually that's not true. They exist in real life all the time. I'm a jerk. <laughs> I feel like I feel like he sometimes forget that it's easy to write up a really bad person, uh and it can be kind of cliche. But as I said, mm-hmm. it's not cliche if you're one of the first to do it. You're an innovator, it's only cliche when the next 20 years of filmmaking just copy Mm -hmm, you. It's mm -hmm, cliche. mm -hmm. So these guys did it first with creating these characters and these stereotypes that we see in sort of the comic relief, the funny fat kid, and the jerk bully in Troy, who I really just wanted to just clock, right, right right in the kisser.
1: So we've already had the laughter. We've already fallen in love with the characters, but now we've got to really feel for them and fall in love with them to continue on this journey and keep this film at a very high level. And it happens in one scene. And I think it's after Josh Brolin gets the paperwork from the guys who are from the bank who are foreclosing and who are soulless and talk about, oh, well, this is going to be a wonderful golf course and it's going to be great and get these families out of here, this kind of thing. So it hits so deep and so personally and it makes you so angry. But we're not yet seeing that affect these kids on a level that we might expect. We don't really need it, but we get it anyway in that one scene where, you know, we see that Sean Astin and Josh Brolin are brother, uh, you know, bro- Josh Brolin's the older brother and he's his he stupid brother and they're smacking each other. And, and and Sean Astin's just such an appealing young actor, right? Yeah. And you just like him. And we never really see the love they have for each other as, a, as brothers until this one moment where Sean Ashton just collapses into Josh Brolin's arms. That's right. Mm -hmm. Because they know they're going to lose their home. And Josh Brolin just hugs him and then drags him across the porch in the front house to the back door and they go in and Sean Ashton is dragging his feet. He can't even walk. And for me, that was like, wow that's great filmmaking i don't care what kind of a film you're watching if you can make an audience feel that deeply for those characters that's as good as it gets you don't you can't do it any better than that so now we're after seeing that scene we're gonna be strapped in to that vehicle and take that ride throughout the entire film and be completely engaged anyway that's my two cents
2: Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts ah,
5: well we were talking about emotional scenes I think you know a good place for me to resume is my favorite scene was uh when mouth uh, when they're at the bottom of the well so if if you kind of recall where they're going in their quest for buried treasure they're essentially going underground and so they're right now they're running from the fratellis and they're and they're they got the map and they're deep in underground and, and now they're setting up booby traps. So they're going in the right direction for some buried treasure. And essentially they end up underneath a, a, a roadside well They're at the bottom of a well. And they have this point where they can all go up, climb the rope and escape and call it a night, or they go deeper into the story. And that's um, as a writer, I think that's an awesome part where the, the protagonist basically says double down we're, we're in, we're all in or let's quit now. And they keep going. But before they do, my favorite part in the movie is actually when they're at the bottom of a wishing well. And there's a bunch of coins. And Mouth basically says, you know, my dreams never came true. So I'm taking it back. Hell, I'm taking them all back. He grabs a coin. He grabs a lot of coins. And it's this really cool moment because it was this level of complexity and deep emotions that come from a fifteen-year-old kid, and I'm 21 years old. And this movie came out 35, 40 years ago, and yet I still feel something when he talks about, "Hey, I, I threw coins in this wishing well, and nothing's come true. I'm taking it all back." Like that kind of like pessimism from a fifteen-year-old kid about how the real world works. It's like holy hell! Like what? Right. I mean, what? Awesome, awesome moment. And it makes course- you
1: angry. It makes you angry at the world and angry yes. at what kids have to go through, and makes yes. you love those kids even more.
5: Exactly, exactly. How
1: dare anybody not grant the wishes of these children? How dare they? Right. I mean, it's just so beautifully manipulative. I love it. I love great writing. It's just so great.
5: And then after that moment, they go and they, you know, it's like one or two more booby traps. They, they come together. The guy with the tools, he's got like these grappling hook plungers. And like, again, very cliche and cheesy now, but at the time, awesome, uh, awesome, mm-hmm. awesome, awesome, awesome. Loved it. That mm-hmm. brought up the comic book, Lover and Me. Like It's like a Batman utility belt situation. They find this pirate ship loaded with jewels and cash and forever items to be cashed in to save the homes. The Fratellis catch up with them. There's a little fight. Of course, as you talked about, it's safe. The Fratellis aren't vicious people. They just want the gold and stuff. Then here comes Sloth and Chunk, two best friends. Um, Sloth has the famous... Hey, you guys! Line, and he, <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, swings in like a pirate, and essentially defends the kids, uh-huh. l- lets them escape, and there's this great moment. I don't know if you you might have you might have not caught it. I, I caught it because I'm just I'm just a total superhero nerd. But so Richard Donner, the director of this film, he did Superman one and two with Christopher Reeves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warner Brothers distributed both Superman films and this film. Sloth rips open his shirt underneath. He's got a Superman shirt, just the red and yellow crest on the blue shirt he's ripped. And the <laughs> Superman theme plays in the movie. I totally forgot about that scene when I watched the movie when I was like five or six years old. But that that struck me. I was like, oh my god, I forgot. And my I got the chills. I—I get The heart was pounding. It was awesome. They escape. They get out of there. They get out of the caves. And uh, the landlord, they see the the cops, the land developer. Everyone's like, alright, well, Glad you guys are okay, but the house is foreclosed right before the dad signs the paper to give it over. Oh my God, surprise. There's like six or seven diamonds in here. The houses are saved. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The movie's over. Such a simple premise. Yes. Such a brilliant premise. How do we get money to save our home? I mean, my God, how to engage kids? I mean, just what a wonderful film.
5: What did you? What's your rating of it? What's your What's your rating overall? I gave a rating of Rosemary's Baby last week was an eight point one out of ten. I gave a specific decimal calculated rating out of ten. I'm what's giving this.
1: Uh, I'm giving this a ten out of ten. I don't think it gets oh, better than this. Oh no no, no. you can't. Oh it you, doesn't get better than this. It does no, not you, get better than this. In my even, opinion,
5: even if it is the best, you still it have had to,
1: me in tears in the first act because Sean Aston and Josh 10? Brolin dragged us a ten. A big time. I'd give it an eleven if I could.
5: Whoa!
2: Okay, great that's,
1: film. Great. I would it's, still it's, give it
5: high yeah. numbers, but ten is like.
1: Tell me okay. what. But okay, so if you're not going to give it a perfect score, tell me, uh, you know, how the gymnasts tumbled. Did they drop anything? <laughs> Did they stumble? <laughs> Did they fall? I didn't see one flaw, and and as I recall, I give,
5: a, I give it a nine. I give it a nine point zero just because I'm su
1: I'm critical. I'm tough. You know, but I, where, I, but I, I, where are the flaws? Point out the flaws. It's, it's What's positive. wrong with the film to, to, to deduct a point? That's a big deduction. That's you taking away 10% from I a perfect score. Like
5: a, like a 10 is like the Godfather, like just like the picture of film or, or like the dark Knight or Shawshank redemption where it's like the movie, but that's, like
1: those are dramas. Those are dramas. Stay with the category. The category is, is these are not dramas. This is a kid's film. So they, a kid's film has their specific tasks that they have to complete to stay within the genre. They can't just keep crossing genres. I mean, you get confused and the film falls apart. But for me, it's a 10 for that kind of, a, it's filmmaking at its finest because that's a, you have to suspend the disbelief and also while also letting the audience know that these kids are not going to get hurt. That's hard. I think kids comedies are tougher to do and I don't, and there's a ton of them and they're not like the Goonies. I think they hit it out of the park with that film, in my opinion. Thank you. <laughs> but no, I'm still waiting for you. What are the flaws? What are the flaws in the film that you take a a, a point away?
5: I, I just think sometimes I was like, all right, I, you know, I, we get the point that like, there's like one, sometimes they say one or two lines trying to force a joke that, that, you're just like, okay, we get it. Chunk's hilarious. Mouth's great. Never never shuts up. Mikey's good. Is the ambitious travel kids. So I think there was just sometimes one or two lines that were extra that you need to cement for the five or six-year-olds and the seven-year-olds in the audience, which mm-hmm. it's, it's nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. It's still a mm-hmm. nine out of 10 for me. It's a 10, 10 out of 10 for you. I'm just saying it's not perfect because there's always those one or two extra so lines. So a little little
1: redundant. Okay. Yes. yes okay.
5: And redundancy okay. redundancy is is slight flaw, but it, it by no means hurts the movie. It just means it's not a ten for me. That's, that's all. That's
1: that's that's fair. That's fair. Thank that's you. all. I, I I just I just wanted to. I just wanted fair to know.
5: Is fair. Thank you. I got my free trial. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Want to know.
5: Scott, this was a blast. Thank you so much. Episode two with you, The Goonies. Can't wait for the next one.
1: All right, Henry. Uh, always fun. This is Scott Patterson. With Henry Markin, reviewing movies, I Am All Minisodes, episode two. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time.
0: Awesome, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget.
3: The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David.